Isn't pinball a game of high energy, of fast action? So what would you rather have in terms of a pinball moment? Would you rather have a mode in which you're trying to get through this? Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. Or this. want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. I know to compare with your imagination. If I were you, I'd manage to avoid the invitation of brother's love and empty butt with your adoration. Just use your head, and in the end, you'll find your inspiration to choose your steps and won't regret this kind of aggravation. I'm telling you right now, people. Guns and effing roses is gonna be the game of 2020. Oh no, Canada's hyping it again. He's doing what he did with Wonka. No, 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 no. You don't know. You don't know what these eyes have seen. Are we pinball men or are we pinball babies? Let's go right now. Uh, Canada, you didn't just do that. You didn't just try to emasculate some of the pinball buying community. You know, I was called a bully this week on the midweek show of the pinball show by the Pinball Network. I'm a bully because I said that people who buy the Jurassic Park toppers are fools and morons. And if you support DLC in the form of a topper, you're hurting the pinball industry. Yeah, that's what I believe. And I'm happy that I gave the midweek show, by the way, Someone needs to tell the Pinball Network that the middle of the week is Wednesday. The, if you do a show on Monday, how is your midweek show a Saturday thing? Well, they're all, they can't even get the days of the week right, let alone, you know what they won't do? The Pinball Network will not share with you how many people listen to each episode of each show because, you know, it's all about the fun. We're just having fun over here, Canada. It, it must be real fun being in second, third, fourth, and fifth place, but we're number one here. So here's the deal, here's the deal. We're gonna talk a little bit about why I think Guns N' Roses is gonna be so much bigger than people think. We're gonna talk about the Hot Wheels stream that happened this weekend. Jack Danger played it yesterday for a couple of hours. I'm gonna talk about owning Rick and Morty for a week and what people who get this game can expect when they unbox it. And I'm gonna talk about Deep Root and what I think this company needs to do so they don't get lapped by the competition. How's that sound for an episode 
496 on a Sunday morning in New York City from yours truly, Canada. Let's hit the ground running. So let's start out with Hot Wheels from American Pinball because it's a brand new game and we got a great two-hour stream from Jack Danger yesterday. He was joined by Josh Kugler. I think Joe Balser was also on hand. Michael Grant, the marketing VP over at American Pinball, was on hand in the Twitch stream. I was able to watch a little bit of it. Won't lie to you. A beautiful Saturday, and the last thing I wanted to do was stay inside. So I did join the stream at the beginning, but then I took Bubba for a walk, and I watched another hour of the stream this morning. So I want to give you my thoughts on this game, and, and I will say this, I will say this. After watching the stream of Hot Wheels for about an hour, after hearing the rules, after seeing the game in motion, I do think this is a really good effort from American Pinball. And I do think at the price point of this game, which is $6,000, I think you get a lot of pinball here. I do. Now, I don't think it's like the most amazing game ever. I don't think it's a horrible train wreck that's not going to sell any games. I think it, it looks like a great entry into pinball for people. And what I mean by entry, it's at the entry level price point. So if you start to look at what can you get for $6,000 new in box in the pinball world, I think this game can really hold its own against what's available on, on the Stern Pro front. I do. I really do. All right. So the first thing that jumps out when I look at the stream of this game are two things. The artwork is very colorful. They definitely did a good job capturing that colorful world of Hot Wheels with the orange track, with the, the bright colors and the cars. I mean, it jumps out. This, this art package definitely jumps out. I was never a big fan of the art style on Houdini. I thought it was too dark. I get it was steampunky, but it just didn't feel inviting. I've always thought the art for Oktoberfest was one of the worst art packages in the world. This game will pull you in, and there's nothing about the art package that would make you feel hesitant to buy the game. So kudos to American Pinball for finally getting an R package uh, done properly. So I think that that works really well in their favor. The lights on this game. I mean, it's impossible. It's impossible to look at this game and not be really impressed by the light show in this game. And they've done something that I don't think has ever been done before in a pinball machine. And that's they've added three LED lights to each of the arrows in the game which can create a really, really cool strobing effect on the arrows that gives it motion of almost like the way the lights light up, you can tell where to shoot, what direction, obviously what direction to shoot in, you can only shoot up, but it gives a nice sense of motion on those arrows. And that's something that has never been done before. And I think it's something that will be copied by other pinball companies moving forward if they decide to actually invest and give you three LEDs in each arrow. But very cool to see them look at the game and say, hey, what can we put into this that is unique and that hasn't been done before? Now, the game is very fast. I mean, it's Hot Wheels, right? So you knew that this game was going to be flowy. You knew it was going to have a lot of speed. And it definitely delivers on that. And, and when we first saw this game, I think one of the things that jumped out at everybody was the lack of a loop-de-loop, -loop, the lack of a jump, the lack of anything physical in it from a toy level that is very impressive. And I, I will say this, after watching the stream, I do wish there was one major toy in the game that had some sort of wow, Hot Wheels-like thing to it. And you just never, you know me, you just never see the ball do anything in the game that is truly feels like a magical Hot Wheels moment. 
Now, that being said, I think if you get over that, and most people will get over that, who because again, like how are you going to miss something that's not there? But I do think they, they could have had a loop-de-loop, and we've seen that done in like the Sonic the Hedgehog game that I shared recently. But the game does have a magnet at the top of the orbit. It does have the vertical upkick. It has two ramps. It has two flippers, you know? So look, the game is designed for speed, and, and I think when you watch this stream, you will see that. And so I think what stood out to me after watching the stream was this game does feel really fun to flip because of the speed. I mean, it is very much a flow game. It reminded me of watching like Black Knight Pro being played, a game in which the shots are open enough to hit them, a, a game in which you can combo, a game in which the ball is going around and around and around. And I really like the coding in this game. I will say, I think the way they coded this game gives players a lot of different ways to tackle the game where you can battle monsters, you can build tracks, you can collect cars. And then I do love the RPM gauge. That is the big center artwork in the middle between the flippers where your goal is to hit the RPM targets to then raise your RPMs to then increase your scoring. So it's really simple to understand. And, and that's the other thing is like whenever a coder starts explaining a game to me, you really want a game like Hot Wheels to be easy to understand. And this game really is. It, it, it did not feel like, oh my God, my head is spinning. Like, what do you do in this game? It's a game that you could easily understand. It's a game that you could explain to your kids to easily understand. And again, that's another reason why I think it's kind of like a great beginner game too for people. It's like, yeah, you might have your deep games in your collection, but if you want to introduce a game into your household that your kids can understand, that your casual friends can understand, this is a good place to start. It's a good place to start. And I kept thinking too, as, as I was watching it on location, it's going to be very bright. It's going to be very colorful. It's going to be easy to understand how to play it. So this game will, I think, play well with operators. Now, I'll talk in a little bit about how I think this game will do in the marketplace. But, you know, I have to say, I have to say, this game looks like a game you can just jump on and have fun. And, and, and I mean that. Like, when you watch this game, it feels like a pinball machine you could jump on and have fun immediately. And I can't say that about every pinball machine. I think there are pinball machines out there, and you know which ones I'm talking about, where when you jump on them, it's very confusing what to do. It's very confusing how to start stuff. It's very confusing which of the 22 characters you should pick before you even get going, you know? So Hot Wheels, jump in and get going with the game. You know, some of the things that stood out that I really thought were really cool, I think this game does a good job in creating moments. And I've always been someone who wants to see a game just create moments. And one of the cool ones I saw was called Red Line Mania. And so if you get the tack all the way to Red Line, you then enter into red line medium mode, and it's a multi-ball, but what's really cool about it is the flippers die, the game starts pulsing red, and then all of a sudden you've got a 40-second multi-ball just to score jackpots, and that's it. Like, And you just keep going, trying to hit as many shots as you can, and then after that 40 seconds, the game kind of dies again, all the balls drain, and you continue again where you left off. And I love stuff like that where you're in the middle of the game and all of a sudden something else unique happens and, and you're in it. 
And I, I just, for me, it's like simple things like making all the flippers die and everything drains. And you think, you think like, oh, you broke the machine or the game's over. But no, it's not. You're actually about to start something new. And and here's why I think coding and orchestrating these things into pinball machines is so important because it sets the mood, right? You get hyped up. You're ready for something to start. And sometimes, and, and pinball does not do enough of this, sometimes the best way to get a player excited for a game is to actually create moments in which there's pause in the game, in which you're not playing, but you're waiting and anticipating for that thing to happen. Kind of like the way multi-ball starts in Adam's family. Like there needs to be moments where the machine is going haywire and you're waiting for a little bit to jump back in. And I think more and more pinball machines need to understand that. That you need to create those moments. I think it's so important. Uh, another thing I thought was cool was the loop crash multi-ball. And this is where you got the magnet at the top in the upper orbit, which can accelerate the ball, but it also can grab the ball in this mode, and then you have to hit the ball off of it. And so just just you know, look, I think they're doing some neat things in terms of how they're using what's in the game. I also like the fact that it's a game about racing. So some of the things in it that are that work to the player's advantage is the fact that you're trying to get through the race as quickly as possible. I don't know if I've really seen a game that really rewards players for getting through the mode as quickly as you can. And so I, I saw Jack went through a race and it took him seven minutes to get through a race. Seven minutes, right? So Jack's a good player. A, a, a better player got through it in two minutes. I think his name was Andy. I love that fact because if you, if you code the game like that, then it's really discouraging the player from trapping the ball and taking too much time to find your shot. It's like you once, you know, for those players who can play on the fly, this game is perfect because Hot Wheels encourages you to use speed to get through the mode itself. After seeing the stream and I thought it was great, so I think Kugler and Danger did a great job and Joe Balser, they did a great job answering everyone's questions. After seeing the stream, I think anyone who enjoys pinball, who watches this game being flipped, will walk away saying, the game looks fun and I can't wait to flip it. Now, now here's here's where it gets challenging. Here's where the real challenge, you know, challenge accepted, American Pinball Hot Wheels. Here's where the real challenge begins. Did you see enough in that stream to want to buy the game? Did you see enough to want to own it? To, do you think there's enough in this where after having it for a month, you're still going to be excited to play it? And this is the new challenge for all pinball manufacturers. If you show your game and people are saying, good job, it looks fun, I can't wait to flip it, that's not enough anymore. That's not enough anymore to be a successful pinball company. It's not enough anymore to have that be the response to your product. Now, what's good for AP is I don't think anyone's going to walk away with any real negative the way they did on Houdini and Oktoberfest. And, and Jack said it, out of all their games to date, this game was the most fun game they've made. And that had to be a little bit of a moment of defeat for someone like Joe Balser. It just has to be. It has to be a little bit of a moment of defeat for guys like Davil over there who invested so much money in game number one and number two. And now you yank stuff out of the game and the game's more fun and the game is themed. So it's more fun. And I think it's a learning lesson for them that you need a theme that excites people and makes it more fun. And you also need to make sure that you're not just putting stuff in it that doesn't connect with the player. But I will say this as a pinball guy that wants to see magic under the glass, I do miss 
I do miss all the toys and bells and whistles that were in their first two efforts. Imagine if they applied all of that effort and put all those bells and whistles into a Hot Wheels theme, right? It's like all the money got wasted on Oktoberfest and Houdini. I mean, think about the think about the the shot in Houdini that fires the ball three feet down the, the, the play field. How cool would it have been to load your Hot Wheel in it and it jumps that far down the play field, right? It's like it's like they spent all the money on two themes that didn't deliver. And now that you've got this theme that's so perfect for a lot of those toys and loop-de-loops and, and fun gadgets, none of it's in it. None of it's in it. So they have to make up for it with code. And that is the new thing in pinball. That is the new approach to most pinball companies. What you don't get anymore in terms of mechs and physical things, you're going to get with artwork, LEDs, and code. That Those are the three main things now that have taken over in terms of the priority. Make the game look good, make it light up really good, and make the code really good. And, and that is easier, that is easier than engineering mechanisms in a game. It, it really is. It's more reliable, it's not gonna break down, and it's more of like a, a one-time cost, okay? So, so that's where we're at. You know, I saw someone use the word like, the game is fantastic, and I'm like, I don't know, fantastic? Like, it looks really good, it looks really fun. But to me, it's, it's you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. The other thing that I thought was going to be somewhat of a deal breaker, which wasn't in this game, was the the animations and what's on the LCD screen. So I really thought that the YouTube show wouldn't work really well with this and people would find it too childlike and, and it wouldn't integrate very well. I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. I, I think that the show adds a lot of character and personality to this game. And I think it actually helps tell the story. It, it, it starts to explain what you're doing in, in a fun way. And the assets and the production quality that Mattel put into that show, just in terms of like the sound effects and in terms of the music and in terms of the energy and in terms of the voice actors. See, all that's already paid for. So what a great benefit to AP to be able to take from that and implement it into the game and they mix that with their own animations which by the way are much better than any of the previous AP animations to date so I think it all kind of came together pretty nicely so do you want to buy it right that becomes the question and unfortunately for all of you saying out there I can't wait to play it well when is that going to be and that's the real dilemma now for American Pinball is how do they get this game out there so that people can play it coming out of this pandemic and so people can make up their mind. And the other challenging part from a marketing standpoint for this company is there's really no rush to buy it now. So they've offered 500 free shaker motors to the first 500 buyers. Okay, so that's that's an interesting marketing tactic. But the issue now becomes is how do you put this game in front of an, enough people to make them want to say, you know what, you get my money. Because the pinball landscape right now is really interesting. It's very competitive. So this game is a little over $6,000. Ninja Turtles Pro is the same price basically. Rick and Morty, even it's sold out, so you can't get it. It's around $7,500. You've got Jurassic Park Pro. You've got every single Stern Pro in the world is now, you know, is $6,000. So you're competing with all of that. Now, if you're buying a game and you want to spend around $6,000, it's not just new in box pros that you can afford. I mean, you can go get a Hobbit for $6,000. You can go get a lot of other machines for $6,000. Almost every Stern Premium over the last few years 
is now around that price point. But there is nothing like the new in-box experience. There is nothing like having a brand new pinball machine in your home, a game that hasn't been out for a while because it's gonna scratch the itch, it's gonna be brand new, and you're gonna have a unique experience that you haven't had before. So there's a lot to be said for that. So do I think this pin is gonna sell well? Do I think people are going to follow up on the stream and buy it? Here's where I think there's a little bit of a miss. And, and I give this advice to Michael Grant, and I think the pinball companies out there like American Pinball need to start thinking about this. They need to think about how to incentivize people to buy the game during the stream, like yesterday's stream. They need to figure out like a one-day sale. If you buy the game today, you're going to get this. You've got a captive audience. You've got people watching it. And people love to spend money on platforms like Twitch. They love to sort of announce to the world like Neil just bought one and Todd just bought one. And you want to sort of create that sort of auction-like energy where people are promoting the fact that they love what you just did and they can't wait to show support. Well, then it's like prove it show you support us, buy the game right now. And I think there needs to be a little bit more thought that goes into that because all this energy and time goes into these streams and setting them up and then there's no mechanism to sell you the game and there's no incentive to buy the game. And that's the other big issue and the big hurdle for this game is there's no LE, there's no other packages of Hot Wheels, it's just this game. And we know that American Pinball is going to make this game for at least a year. So you answer me one question, people who are listening to the show. Why should I rush to buy Hot Wheels? What's the urgency to buy the game? So I saw it. I thought it was fun. Ninja Turtles looks fun. Uh, Guns and Roses, I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, it's going to be too expensive probably. Rick and Morty, it's sold out. But what's the incentive to buy it right now? Why wouldn't you just wait and see what else comes out over the next few months? Maybe wait and see what Deep Root has. Maybe wait and see what Chicago Gaming's next offering is. You see what I'm saying? Like, is there something about this game that makes you need to have it now? And if there isn't that need to have it now, then you're probably just going to wait. But American Pinball can't, they can't win like that. They can't win with games where people will just stay on the sidelines and wait because we know how hype works in this hobby. And if you don't capture the hype window quickly, it could take you a very long time to sell these games. And there's no greater example of that. There's no greater example of that than do you know, this is crazy, do you know how long it took Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle to sell out. I do because it just sold out last week. Last week it sold out. They sold 750 Rick and Mortys in four hours. Four hours. And Chuck just finally sold the last Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle last week. Do you want to know when they revealed Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle? TPF 2018. So it took them two years to sell that many Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle and four hours to sell Rick and Morty. So that's the challenge of the pinball landscape right now. If you don't create any urgency to buy a game at launch, then you're going to be in big trouble. You, the slow burn to sell these games and look at Jersey Jack Pinball. If Jack had sold all 500 Willy Wonka Collector's Edition when jackasses like me were hyping it, he would have sold all 500 on the first month that game was made. If he had first made the Collector's Edition's games, he would have sold every one. But he made people wait. 
And they waited and they waited and they waited. They saw stream after stream after stream. Then people started to see reasons why they might not like the game. Then the playfield issues happened. And all these things, months and months and months go by. And by the time it's time for your game to go on the line, you don't really want it anymore. You may, you may have seen it. You may be able to get an LE for so much cheaper. You start to second guess it. They will never, they will never sell 500 collector's editions of, of Willy Wonka. And so that's the problem. That's the problem is how does American pinball win in an environment in which creating hype and creating the fear of missing out on the game, it's, it's almost impossible. Unless they say we're only going to make a thousand of these and move on to the next game. See, the pinball landscape is really challenging. It's really challenging. Stern makes so much money on every LE sold. They make money on every premium sold. The Pro is probably their worst margined game, but it's also the best value for the customer. So they got it locked down and they I mean and they just like crank those pros out and they just keep making them. The line just keeps going. So we'll see. The market will the market will tell us how well this game will do. We will find out and we will know like whether or not a lot of people are going to, and we will know whether or not a lot of people will be unboxing this game or not in the coming months. But I will say this. I will say congratulations to American Pinball for getting this game out. I look forward to playing it. For me, it's not a game I would buy simply because there's just too much on the horizon and it and within what's available for someone like me, it just doesn't make sense. If I was a diehard Hot Wheels fan, that would be a different story, but I'm a diehard Guns N' Roses fan, as you know, if you've listened to uh, me talk over the last like a uh, few years. Okay, so let's change gears to owning Rick and Morty for a week real quickly. So I want to give you guys a quick update. Uh, the game is playing well. I haven't had any issues with the gameplay whatsoever. The game will dimple. I've said this before, and I keep looking at my game after each day, and there's more dimples appearing, and a lot of them come from the scoop, and I've lowered my scoop, so you're going to get dimples on this game, and it's fine. Like, when you stand over it in the normal player position, you don't really notice any of them. So I'm learning to live with this fact, and I know I've been OCD in the past. I know I've been someone who's advocated for a playfield protector, and that's the thing. If you really want to keep your your game perfect perfect then just throw a playfield protector in it it's a hundred bucks i don't know how this game's gonna play with a playfield protector but give it a whirl maybe it's actually gonna make the scoop better because that'll raise up the playfield height a little bit which might make making the scoop lower unnecessary so uh, that might have an advantage uh but you know look i'm just gonna play this game i'm going to enjoy it brenda blew up the machine and, and got almost 10 million points but here are a few other things that you should keep in mind as you're waiting for your rick and morty number one is you should definitely get the purple coin door if you are on the fence about what color coin door to get the purple is the way to go you will kick yourself if you don't get purple trust me and if you didn't get purple and you ordered black, don't worry about it. You could always call Spooky and get a purple one sent to you. The monitor on this game is a little weird. The LCD, for some reason, when you look at it, it's all washed out. The areas that should be black turn almost to like a light gray. And then if you bend down and put your chin on the lockdown bar, the colors become black. And so the viewing angle on it is pretty poor. So I heard this was the same thing with TNA. And so what I've done is I ordered a new LCD screen to replace this one that has a better field of view. And I heard TNA people did the same thing and people gave me uh, the link to what the LCD is you need to get. There's an LCD and then I think there's a, another board you need to drive it. So I, I'm doing that because I, I, 
I definitely want the colors to pop more on the LCD. And it's not expensive. It's like 66 bucks for this different monitor and then another 25 bucks for the control board. Look, I wish, I wish I didn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to replace the LCD. I wish Spooky would put the best version in there. And it is what it is. I mean, what am I gonna do? It's their company. They're putting this stuff in. I'm happy with almost everything else in the game, so I can't really complain that much. And look, it's a cheap little fix, but it's not necessary. It's not gonna take away from your fun of the game but I would just like it to look a little bit better. Something I noticed really cool in this game that's super fun, in the attract mode, you can turn on the interdimensional cable. If you've ever watched the show, there's the cable they watch with all the weird TV shows from around the galaxies and universes. And so you can put that on and you can control how many times the attract screen loops before it plays a TV commercial. Super funny. I highly recommend you turn that on with your game if you haven't. I added one washer to the scoop and it's been working very well since and I just recommend you guys play your game and you determine whether or not your scoop is rejecting. Uh, if it is, those are the two solutions I would recommend. One is adding a washer to each screw that's underneath the scoop mechanism or take your thumb and bend down the hood and see if that works for you. But you can get it to a place where it's not rejecting that much. The posts on the game are getting torn apart, torn apart. And so I ordered more posts from Pinball Life uh, I'll say this, I ordered purple posts from Pinball Life, they came in, and the purple doesn't match the side armor or the leg purple, which is a little weird. I also ordered their purple, uh, the purple rubber that you put underneath the playfield legs on the floor that touch the floor. Those also don't match. It's more of a dark purple on the powder coat, and the purple that they have is a lighter purple. And I, this is where it's not that I'm OCD, but it just looks a little weird. So I'm going to order more translucent and black posts to go there. But here's another thing that's crazy to me is. Spooky puts these posts in the game and literally after 100 plays, they're, they're already chewed to bits. I do wish they would have put something in there that was higher quality because it's, you, it's not too hard to change a post in a game, but I haven't seen how much of the, if I have to take any of the plastic off on some of the areas, but you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to change the posts in your pinball machine after just like a couple hundred plays. So I have to ding them on that. For a game that cost me $9,500, there should be posts in the game that are stronger. And they're, and these are cheap items, people. They're like 60 cents a post. And I'm sure if Chuck is ordering these in bulk, they're even less money. So next time, Spooky and Company, put posts in the game that can hold up to a pinball. So the last thing I'm gonna tell you to do with your Rick and Morty order, if you're thinking about ordering it, a couple things. One is, I would not order the Target decals. And I'm gonna explain why. These things are a joke. And, and, and out of all the things in this game, I can't believe that Spooky Pinball put stickers on the targets that have absolutely no covering. When you look at a stern target, it's made of like that thick, durable, sort of mylarish material. It doesn't wear. It doesn't wear out. It can take the abuse of a pinball hitting it over and over again. There's a coating to it, like a plastic coating over the decal. Spooky Pinball just puts stickers, tiny, tiny, thin stickers with no coating, nothing in front of it. And literally after 50 plays, they're already starting to break and, and show cracks and to wear out. 50 plays, people. So you're $10 for these Target decals. And I know people are like, oh, it's just 10 bucks. Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing. 10 bucks over 750 machines, 
That's $7,500 that Spooky Pinball might get for garbage stickers that are pointless because you're going to have to change them and they're not going to work. And I'm sorry, but like there is, again, there's no reason why I should have spent $7,500 to $9,500 on a pinball machine and a simple item like a Target decal wasn't designed better. Charlie, you guys really should be embarrassed. And Scott Denise and company, you guys, you guys know I love this machine. You have to really hang your heads in shame that you thought you could get by with that? Like, did you just learn about a pinball decal? Unbelievable. So save your 10 bucks. Do not order it because they suck. I don't mean they suck by what they look like. They suck because they're going to wear out so quickly. Now, someone suggested just just put mylar over them no it doesn't really work i tried to mylar the decals but it doesn't work because the because it's not flat you're gonna see there's like a, a screw protruding up and you see how stern designs its decals to take that into account if you try to stick the mylar over these decals it's gonna pop up it's gonna it's gonna fall off it is trust me mylar does not work it might only work on the spinner because the spinner is flat but everything else is not flat and it's not gonna work and it's just gonna, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just somebody out there needs to make new target decals for this game that work properly. I would love for that person to be spooky pinball and to stop putting these garbage $10 decals in the game. You hear me, Chuck? You need to stop putting these in the future games. And because you guys have the licensing property to put these licensed characters onto the target decals, you need to do it. Like they need to do the fix because it's not legal for anyone else to do this, to make images with the Meeseeks and Beth and Jerry and Summer. You can't legally do that and sell it without Adult Swim's permission, but Chuck has that permission. So I think they need to rethink this I think they also, I'm going to call for it because Canada's keeping it fair the same way I called for Jersey Jack to send everyone with messed up play fields, new play fields, wait for it, Charlie Emery and Spooky Pinball, they need to redesign better target decals and they need to send those for free to anyone who paid for these target decals. And it's a $10 option, Chuck. It's not a new play field. It's not a new this. You need to make the target decals work. And you need to send them to everyone who ordered them. And you need to stop putting the garbage target decals into the games. Well, how could you do this, though? Like, Surely they know they suck. And now you're going to get... 750 buyers. Here's why you don't do it. The details matter. You're going to get 750 buyers who are going to be upset that their decals look like shit. And I'm sorry to curse, but you're going to, why would you do that? Why would you make the cheapest part of the game something that's going to cause such a big headache for your customers who you know want to keep their games looking good? And one of the things that nobody enjoys looking at is, is a worn target decal. It's just, it's just something you don't want in a game. So Chuck, you need to make the fix. It's going to cost you maybe more in the long run. And this is the problem. When you go cheap like this and you make people suffer through a bad quality item, it's defective. I, I mean, there's no way else to, to talk about it. That is a defective sticker. That doesn't work. It doesn't do the job. So it's defective and you need to replace it. And, and I expect it within a week. Now, take your time with it, but Chuck needs to fix that. Other than that, I love the game. The other thing that I would say, the final thing is they need more adventures in the game. And I know they're coming. You will reach a point where after playing the game over and over and over again, you're just like, 
all right, I've played the same like four or five adventures over and over again, the same like X amount of dimensions, and you want more. It's the kind of game that just makes you crave so many modes and so many adventures, and I know more is coming, but it's, you know, when you look at the show and the way the game is, ostensibly they could give you i know this takes work but they could give you pretty much like an adventure per show every show has an adventure they go on now they're now they're not all good but they could easily cherry pick like five great adventures from each season and go from there and i really do think if you're trying to get through 10 adventures i would love this game to end up with somewhere around 15 total adventures in it i really would it has to, i hope it's more than 10 because it's not that it's a deal breaker. It's just that they're so awesome and you just want as many of them as possible. And I think it's another reason why this game's going to have long-term appeal is that more and more can keep being at it. And, and the way they did it was kind of genius because as Rick and Morty continues to be a show, they could easily pull new adventures and just throw it in. There is nothing about what's on the game that would make that seem silly. They, it's like they didn't miss out the ability to keep incorporating the fun into the game. And I think that's why... Rick and Morty could be a long-term keeper for a lot of people. All right, I know I started this show with Guns N' Roses and, and showing you the difference between Willy Wonka music and GNR. And I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. I think Guns N' Roses is going to be a huge hit for Jersey Jack Pinball. I think it finally is going to give people who have wanted a Jersey Jack game but haven't wanted a sort of more childish theme and a juvenile theme, I think it's going to give them something to be excited about. Looking at the game, looking at the artwork right now, I think it's going to be that cool game that you're going to want to put in your game room. And I think there's a lot more fans of rock and roll uh, and pinball. I think rock and roll and pinball goes so well together. And for those of you out there who are like, I don't want a music pin, I, I think you're wrong. And look at look at how well, people who say that are such BS, look how well ACDC and Metallica have sold. Look how well they've sold. And I'm just saying, looking at Guns N' Roses pinball machine, this thing embarrasses Metallica and ACDC, embarrasses it. And Keith is on the code. So you know you're gonna get code that's like lime and sheets deep, but it's also not gonna be a game that's impossible to figure out and overly complex. And so you've got the high energy music of Guns N' Roses. You've got the design genius of Eric. You've got this simplicity of, of a rock and roll band theme where you're not going to have to like go through 22 characters and you're not going to butcher the assets like Wonka. No, it's all going to be there. You don't need an incredible sound engineer because the sound engineer in this game is Slash, Axel, and Duff. You're going to have probably the best sound system in any pinball machine ever. You're probably going to have one of the coolest lighting integrations in any pinball machine ever. And so when you see the hand-drawn artwork on top of all this, like there's just not a weak link in this game, right? right now. The only thing that has me nervous is Pat Lawler yanking stuff out of it because he's the weak link in the game. He doesn't want Eric to show him up. I know that for a fact. He's jealous. Eric's got the goods. This man's got the goods. You know, it probably makes them nervous having me say that, but it's true. It's true. They've got two main designers and one has historically made some of the most iconic pinball machines ever. One historically made the best-selling pinball machine of all time. And one guy's made one machine. One machine. So people think it's crazy Canada is saying that uh, he, you know, he's the best designer right now. But I'm telling you right now, I didn't say of all time. Right now, Eric is a better designer than Pat Lawler. Okay? He knows how to design a game that's more fun. 
I think Scott Denisi designed a game that's more fun than Pat Lawler with Rick and Morty. I think uh, Keith Elwin designs a game that's more fun. So the new guard, people, it's all about the new guard. It's hard for these old guys to retire, but they're done. Bring on the new guard. So speaking of new guard, Deep Root Pinball. Let's end with Deep Root. Where is Deep Root? Where are they? They are in jeopardy right now of being left behind this momentum that is building as we get back to normal. And if they were ready in the middle of March to show everybody what they'd been working on for all this time, March, April, May, June, okay, so three months after the fact, they were supposedly ready, still nothing. And I don't mean like I expect to see everything, but they can't win like this. They can't win with radio silence. They can't win with absolutely no conversation. They can't win with nothing teased. They need to start the conversation. See, here's where I'm concerned. Here's where I get a little bit worried. Because there is nothing seemingly going on, it leads me to believe that they're not ready for manufacturing. Because if they were ready for manufacturing and they were ramping up and all things were starting to like move and they were getting ready to pull back the curtain and, and like wow us, we'd start to see something by now, no? I have a relationship with Robert and I'm, I'm not getting anything. I was invited down in July to maybe come down there. I haven't heard a follow-up. So is Deep Root getting lapped by the competition? Someone said that, they're getting lapped by the competition. A yes and no to that, yes and no to that. And you could just you could argue that Deeper has has been lapped by the competition for the last five years. Like ever since this company began, they still have not shipped one pinball machine. And if history has shown us anything, the longer you take to get your game out, the harder it is for your company to stay viable. Right? I'm not even talking about whether the game is good or not. The longer it takes your game to come out, the harder it is to keep your company afloat. The delay on getting Wizard of Oz out the door is the reason why Jersey Jack went bankrupt. It's the reason why he lost control of his company. It's the reason why young Brett Abbas is now the owner of Jack's company. You think that makes Jack feel well? You think that sits well with Jersey Jack? His dream has now been handed to the son of a billionaire who had to bail Jack out because of all the delays and the mismanagement, but that's on Jack and his team that, that created that scenario. So this is what happens when you, when you need help. Now, how can Robert and Deep Root, how, how long can they go with no money coming in? It's not like there's a little bit of money coming in. It's not like, not like Jerry who's got P-Rock money coming in. There's no money coming in. There's no other source of revenue. You know, when Microsoft made the Xbox, they still had billions of dollars coming in on all their other stuff. So they could they could take that loss to develop the Xbox. But how is Deep Root staying financially, financially viable without any money coming in? Now, you've heard me on this show. I've always wanted more than anything to just see the games, to just play the games, to just have, here's the thing, to just have the opportunity to send Robert and company my money. If you reveal a package that is awesome, if you give us a game that's really neat, if it's stunning, if it's doing new stuff in pinball, if it answers a lot of the headaches that we have with current ownership, yes, people will People will consider you an option. But how can we be an option when you don't show us anything, when you don't talk about anything, when you don't reveal anything, when you don't even tease anything? 
This game came out at Houston how many months ago? You know, like eight, nine months ago? We're still waiting on a game we've already seen the majority of the gameplay? So something's wrong. It, it, this definitely can't be the plan. And if you were ready to go by TPF, how are you not ready to go by 4th of July? How are you not ready to go? What makes you ready to go? I, I, I don't get it. At some point, it really boils down to this. All of pinball boils down to this. Not just Deep Root, not just American Pinball or Stern. All of pinball boils down to this. You make a game, you see if people want it. If people want it and they buy it, you will be a successful pinball company. If you make a game people don't want, you will be out of business very quickly in this industry. Chicago Gaming Company makes games they know people want, and so it's easy to sell the classics back to people. Stern Pinball, they, they play, it's, it's a numbers game with them. They might not always make the game you want, but chances are they will have a game you want over a fiscal year, and they'll get you something. They win by numbers right? They win by numbers. It's like if every girl in the high school wants to sleep with you, eventually you're going to find a few every month that you're willing to take the plunge with. And that's Stern Pinball. They might not always be the most attractive. They might not all, all have personality. You might not even be attracted to all of them. But over, over time, enough people offering you something, you're going to buy it. You're going to go into it. And that's Stern for me. They don't make the best possible pinball machines. Some of them are really good, but they're they're cheaper than you know you're paying for. They are. You know this, people. But it's okay because you know what? They make a game. It's based on a theme you love. They put it in a box, and they get it to you. And when you get your Stern machine, yes, it's going to have some cheap things here and there, but chances are it's not going to break down. If it does break down, they've got the best customer service in the business. They do. They will help you out. I know some of you have been through headache moments, but you got to remember, Stern sells thousands of machines. It's easy for Spooky Pinball to pick up the phone and treat you like a human and be amazing to you when you're only selling 750 games over two years, right? They're not selling seven. Stern's selling 750 games in a few weeks all over the world. So it's a little bit different and that's okay. I think they both have great customer service, okay? See, I really just want the J-pop story to come to a conclusion. I want to know if it was worth it. That's it. I just want to know if everything John said he could bring to the table, if all of his ideas and all of his patents and all of his you know new ways to think about pinball, I just want to know if J-pop has one more in him. I would happily take more than one, but I just want to know that J-Pop has the ability to make pinball magic again. He's had, this is, this is the part that just kills me. John's had millions of dollars, millions of dollars of other people's money thrown at him to create pinball magic. Thrown at him. Seven, eight years have gone by. Seven, eight years. I, I, I hesitate to say the amount of money that he's probably gone through just to make one magical game. I'm going to guess and say John Papaduke, through his fingers, through his time, and through his promises, has probably burned a few million dollars. Like three to five million dollars have pumped into John Papaduke's promises of a magical pinball machine. And then the sad part is, well, then how many games do you have to sell to recoup that investment on J-pop? And where is this game that is going to come out and make all of us want to give over our money and justify the amount of millions of dollars that he's burned up 
to get pinball magic back in the world. And meanwhile, a young kid with nothing more than off-the-shelf parts builds total nuclear annihilation in his basement with no help, and it goes on to be a sales success. He then goes on to make Rick and Morty Pinball one of the funnest games of 2020, sells out in four hours, makes Spooky and company a few million dollars, and now he's on to game number three with nothing but momentum. He's done all of that. Remember this, Scott Denisi has done all of that by his bootstraps, in his basement, with no millions of dollars, with no outside help, he just made a pinball machine that he was passionate about, and it's a home run, and it's another home run. And John Papaduke, where are we? Where is it all? What, 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 where's his end? You see what I'm saying? Give me Eric. Give me Scott. Give me Keith. Give me people that want to make a name for themselves and a legacy that they build because they made magic. These guys that are Pat Lawler, John Papaduke, Brian Eddy, I just think it's over. I just think they're, they had their time. They had their time, but now it's time for the new guys. And this is why we still just want to see it from deep root. I, we just want to see it. And, and, and we all know one simple fact. Robert knows this. We know it. If what they show us blows us away, I think people will buy it. But it has to do that. And the expectations that it needs to do that keep getting higher and higher and higher as more and more companies show their products. And I'm just going to close this show and say this. Deep Root Pinball, they need to show, sell, and ship Retro Atomic Zombie Adventure Land before you see Guns N' Roses. They need to do that. They need to get this game in boxes before people get Guns N' Roses. My guesstimate on when you'll see Guns N' Roses is sometime in August with a fall ship date. I, I don't think you're going to see it in July. I just don't. And I'll close this show by saying my rumor about Jaws really, you know, people really don't care that much. There really wasn't that much excitement about I'm hearing that Jaws is going to be a title by Stern in 2021. I thought you guys have been clamoring for Jaws all this time. Now, it is 100% speculation that Keith Elwin is making Jaws. I mean, I completely made that up. He, he could be just making Godzilla, which is what I've heard it is. And that is probably what's going to happen. But I just thought it would be more interesting if Keith Elwin actually made Jaws because it just makes more sense to me that they would hand him another license without movie clips that's iconic and had him do the Elwin effort on Jaws. Now, I see some people on Pinside, and the Pin Monk guy, man, Virland, I bought this guy's fan for my Rick and Morty. I've been gushing about it, and this guy, like, talks so much smack about me on Pinside. It's funny. He's like, he's like, he's, ne he's never that accurate. I am actually a lot more accurate than I am wrong when it comes to my rumors and speculation, but on this one, I tell you, it's a rumor. I, I heard from a very good source that it's happening. If it doesn't happen, so what? Right? So what? If it doesn't happen, so what? But I, I am shocked. I don't really think Jaws is like as popular as, as some of the Jaws fanatics think. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Good time to be in pinball, people. We got Hot Wheels. We got Rick and Morty's shipping. They need new target decals. We've got Deep Root who's still waiting. They've got to show something soon. We've got the pinball show that thinks Saturday is the middle of the week. That's really exciting. Um, we've got DLC toppers. 
We've got a lot of good stuff coming out in pinball. If I were you, as a pinball listener of this show, I would be excited. You've got a lot to choose from coming out in 2020, 2021. It's an exciting time. I will end this show by saying we want to say rest in peace to Steve Epstein, who passed away, I believe, yesterday. He was battling a late-stage cancer, I believe. And, you know, Steve, if you don't know who he is, he's an iconic pinball figure. And Steve, rest in peace, my friend. I've always had great encounters with you at Modern Pinball, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Everybody, you know what? Play your games. Life is short. We don't have much time. Don't OCD over every dimple anymore. I know, I'm changing too. I, I, it's not worth it. Enjoy these games. When you get bored of them, sell them to someone else and they will enjoy it and get something new and enjoy that. But don't for a minute think I'm gonna go soft and say everything is awesome. I'm not. I'm not going to say every game is fantastic. I'm not going to say every game is worth six, seven, eight, thirteen, fifteen thousand dollars. No. And my mystery game, oh, if you could see it, if you could, all I want is that mystery game. I told my friend making it, the only reason I came back last year to the podcast scene is that's the game I want. He's not making many of them. He's going to make them. Who knows when? It's going to be for sale. Not many of you are going to be able to get a chance to buy it. And the people who listen to this show, The order banks are going to go open live on Canada's Pinball Podcast. And I I, I told them, I'm like, dude, I can't wait when we're ready to sell this game because the people who listen to this show, it's like, I bet you're going to sell everyone in Australia first because those people are up earliest. But in one episode, I'm going to, this guy's going to sell out of this game. And it's going to be so funny for those of you who are like, I don't, I don't listen to Canada. He's not that accurate. Like, he's entertaining, but you know, I never listen to a single show. And then, and then I love when those guys go on to mention everything I've said wrong about every recent release, and yet they don't listen. You know, you listen. You can't make this up. Like, without this show, what are the other shows going to talk about? And I don't, I don't mean all of them. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you know my main competition over there at the network. They no competition. The middle of the week is Saturday. Boys, get with it. Get with it. Everyone, this is episode 496. Get ready for some guns and effing roses.